Hi everyone, I'm thrilled to let you know that we've now announced the first three This Week in Craft Beer Grand Tours for 2022. We'll be travelling to Brussels with Alpha Delta from Thursday the 23rd of June, to New England with Mondo on Wednesday the 6th of July, and to New York with Brew York on Wednesday the 13th of July. After a frustrating series of Covid false starts over the past two years, we are confident that we will finally be able to start running tours this summer. We're running a launch event at the Mondo Taproom in Battersea on Wednesday the 23rd of March, and at the Brew York Taproom in York on Thursday the 31st of March. If you're interested in any of these tours, please see our newsletter this week for further details. Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters, John Stevens, Angela Peterson, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Becky Bentley-White, Bayonet Brewing Co, Ryan Charlton, The Paper Mill Micropub, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker, The Sociable Beer Company and The Small Batch Brewing Co. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast James Campbell from Shawshot Brewing Co based in Manchester. Founded in 2020, Shawshot Brewing has been a long-term project for James Campbell. Everyone with a bitter taste in their mouth knows James, a cereal head brewer at some of Manchester's most respected independent breweries and pioneer of the best in new world styles and hops to the UK. James has been instrumental in the development of new wave British brewing over the last decade and then some. James, please introduce yourself and tell us about your beer journey, which led you to launching Sure Shop. Hi, hi Rob. Tell you about my beer journey. <laughs> well, I've been at it for roughly 25 years. Wow. Which is uh, quite a long time. Uh, that <laughs> I'm is. Still, still not bored of it, which is good. Sure. Started with the uh, Firkins in about, oh, I think it was 96. Oh, wow. Great. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I worked as a... Uh, as my boss called me, Cask Monkey Second Class. Job <laughs> title. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was uh, washing casks, racking beer, and right. on my on my doing that part time and on my days off, getting a bit of brew house experience. Nice, yep. As well, so I I did that as an assistant, then moved to a, another larger Firkin brewery, and then right. ran the Brighton and Worthing ones. Oh, okay, nice, yeah. yep. Which. Uh, Oddly enough, where I met Mark Tranter uh, from uh, Burning Sky. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, awesome. Uh, did that for about three and a half years, and then uh, saw the writing on the wall for the Firkins, shipped out to Ireland. Okay. Uh, and lived in uh, Thurless in Tipperary for six months. Right. At a brewery called Dwan's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that didn't work out. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was all right. I had a good time. And, yeah, good life experience, I'm sure. Yeah, and good bring yeah. experience as well. Filtration, kegs, beers, uh, notch keg beers and all that. Okay. Yep. Learned a lot there. And uh, learned a lot about brewing Irish stout. Uh, right. And then uh, went on to work at uh, Master Maguire's on Bird Key, which is now JW Sweetman. Right. Mm-hmm. In Dublin. Did that for about a year. Right. Uh, and then uh, interviewed for the job at Marble. So, so when I went to Marble, it was a, it was a one man band, uh, right. which was me who couldn't yeah. drive. <laughs> so uh, I took that. I mean, Mark Day was there uh, from '97. I got there in 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that for 13 years, uh, and that grew uh, yep. from just supplying its own couple of pubs. Sure, yeah. Uh, to well, a much bigger concern, uh, expanded the brewery, and it's since gone on since I left uh, sure. mm-hmm. to go do other things. Left that in 2013 and had a, a year of consulting. Right. Mm-hmm. So I worked with uh, Beer Cat in Catalonia and Bruce Smith uh, and uh, Runaway. Yep. And that was all good. Sure. Uh, yep. And after that, whilst I was doing that, uh, we were working on uh, founding Cloudwater. Right. That year I was consulting, I, I spent planning cloud water. Um, so you'd, you'd, met, you'd met Paul sometime before that, had you? Um... Like all, well, like so many breweries, I met Paul at Indie Man. Okay, great. Yeah. We were working on the uh, same bar at the first Indie Man, <laughs> along with uh, Brian from Northern Monk. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian was, at the time, he was working behind the bar in the Grove and 
I can't remember what they that they had a little brewery going um, right and doing some quite uh quite adventurous stuff then yeah you know I can't remember what it was called the grow the Grove beer brand well that was good fun so that that started from there really and uh three years of brewing there and then uh left there uh, I went on to work for SSV okay yep I worked for three years as a commissioning brewer. I was supposed to be there for 12 months to 18 months and ended up being there three years. Right. Uh, which was, uh, to be honest, a great learning experience. Right. It was one of, because it was it was so engineering based, and I'm basically a failed microbiologist. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm about failed, but, you know. <laughs> no, well, I've made a success of some of it. <laughs> you know, my background is basically I'm... Uh, from biological sciences background, right. yep. uh, and my understanding of is really sort of uh, around the biological end of things, right? And uh, SSV is obviously it's an engineering firm. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so uh, it was a great learning experience. Got to meet some uh, great brewers. Uh, I was project manager on uh, Daya and Verdant's new brewery. Oh wow! And, and so uh, just, let's just dig into that for a moment, there, James. So SSV seller brew kit to a new brewery you're there to bed it in basically to commission it and to to brew alongside the brewers the first few beers you know what, what how does that yes yeah. i mean well really you take it from the salesperson makes a sale okay. mm-hmm. and then you handed the project as project manager so you take it through every stage right from design and transport uh construction transport you go out to factory called fat factory acceptance testing mm-hmm. and uh, basically uh, you work with the uh, equipment manufacturer work with the client and you stand between them right uh, and make sure that everything works that the customer's happy and that everything's done on time so th- there's a fair bit of design in that and making sure that their beers are going to be on that plant and making sure that Steady rolling man tastes the same on the new kit as it used to on the old kit. If you, you know, we're talking about the dire example. Is, is that you know, are you involved in sort of that level of detail and having to sort of get into the head of the of the dire brewers or how you know how does that not, not to a degree? I mean, you look at the yield they're getting, you look at their recipes and say, What recipes are you putting through? What kind right. of yield are you getting? You need to make sure the last ton and the mash ton are sized appropriately for for that kind of thing. Right. Um, you look at the extracts they were getting, the extracts they should expect to get out of, uh, well, these kits are usually upgrade, you know, uh, very few people downgrade. Sure, absolutely, yeah. I'm not sure it does happen, but not often, no. <laughs> so, uh, basically making sure the kit is sized right and they've yep. got options like, uh, and one of the fairly recent things that people started doing is uh, putting in a heat exchange between kettle and whirlpool. So right. people often drop drop the wort at the end of boil before second hop addition to 80 right. degrees, so you get less uh, less isomerization of alpha right. acids and less bitterness. So, so I took, took you off your path a bit there. So, so you left you left Cloudwater. Did, did you leave Cloudwater intended to go to SSV, or, or did you sort of, did you have a plan? So because the Sure Shot brand well, has been around for a while prior to getting to where you are today. Oh, um, yeah. I needed to work for myself. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, that was... Uh, I was looking at it i issued one invoice as a consultant and i spoke to uh, ssv and i said do you, do you think your customers would need advice consultancy and they said well let's talk we could probably use you so I mean, it's a hell of a hire for them quite honestly james you know without <laughs> without wishing to, to sort of overly flatter you but that was you know quite <laughs> something for them to be able to to say yeah you know with buy our kit and in the package comes James who a few months ago was you know arguably brewing the the UK's leading craft beers you know that that's a, that was fantastic for them I'm sure they must have really it was, that, it yeah. well for me I have to say that's uh, it's a good company to work for thoroughly enjoyed it nice. yeah learned an awful lot mm-hmm. uh, and a great experience yeah so, well doing that kind of work makes you think about Seeing so many brewers up and down the land and how they're doing things, things I hadn't thought of. It's it's a great learning experience. I bet it is actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you, and also you're you're dealing with people that presumably are are expanding the quickest. These are the ones that are putting the brand new kit in, aren't they? You know, and so they must have been doing something right to to be able to fund that in the first place. At least hopefully, 
Um, well, so yeah. you're talking to you're talking to people that are really you know the movers and the shakers, I guess, aren't you? We're not just yeah. talking to them; you're actually brewing alongside them and sitting there, walking you know walking a mile in their shoes. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I mean, the, the first automated plant I brewed on was uh, brains. Oh, okay, yeah. So that was that was great. You know, uh, that that was uh, an install there. I think I'm the only uh, long-haired man to have brewed uh, brains dark in a modern times top. <laughs> So, you know. <laughs> that's an interesting claim to fame. So that was uh, that was good fun, and so all the while, my plan was to leave Cloudwater, do my own thing, and look around for investment, right, and work on a business plan uh, okay. to do it myself. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did, yep. uh, and uh, sure shot's the result of that, really. So you got. The first beer, 15-mile, was it 50-mile round trip? That's right. 50-mile round trip. Yep. So 50-mile round trip was your first release as Sure Shot in yeah. 2020. It um, was, yeah. Straight to Tesco's, which caused a few raised eyebrows, but also when, at least certainly in my case, when I tasted the beer, I was absolutely thrilled that, you know, there was a firstly a double IPA and a double IPA you know, properly hopped and of a modern standard on the shelf in Tesco's was quite a, you know, that that was a big step forward. And I think you paved the way for, for other brewers to get decent beers into Tesco's, you know, over the last couple of years. So that was terrific. But just talk to us for a moment about the, the thinking behind that. We were given the opportunity to get something out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the time it was right in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. It was the first, first, I guess the first six months, first few months, probably when you were brewing it. So it was right, you know, the almost the darkest time. So pre it was, Pre, um, pre-testing, pre-vaccine, obviously, and who knows you know, yeah, where we were going to end up. Yeah. We didn't know what was we didn't know what was around the corner. I don't think the licensed trade really yet knows uh, yeah. the full comment, of yeah. the financial impact of the pandemic is yet to be felt, I think. You know, and there's a number of other things going on in the world at the minute which are well, certainly going to impact all the customers. Well, supply chains at the very least, yeah. So no, yeah, certainly so, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's it's a difficult time. It's a difficult it really time is, for yeah. industries. But at that time, it was, we were given the opportunity to get something out. And I know Matt Howgate uh, at Vocation of Old. He uh, took over from me at Marble. Okay. Yeah, cool. And, uh, so he's, uh, no, he's, a, he's a good lad, Matt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he's a very experienced brewer. So uh, we thought, well, why the heck not? Get something going. Myself and Mike was my business partner. We've been planning it for about a year and a half by then. Right. Who also, I'm an indie man. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, was that 50 mile round trip intended to be a one-off or you know, did, did it sort of become a one-off by the subsequent sort of turn of event? I'm guessing that you didn't intend just to release that beer and then sort of not have anything else for two years. Is that... You know, no, yeah. well, I mean, that was, that was, uh, I mean, I was working full time at SSV. Of course, yeah, yeah. So I didn't have time to be going off and doing things, really. No. That was, uh, you know, I had to, had to get on with the job at, job at hand, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and you've got to earn a living. I've, you know, I'm a family man and all the rest. Absolutely. Not, uh, I, don't, I don't have the luxury of, uh, well, I say the luxury of not having an income. No. Well, I guess it's a luxury if you don't need an income, perhaps. But not not having one, I don't think is a luxury. No. Not, not needing one is it would be. Yeah, not needing one is a luxury. <laughs> not not having one's a bit of an imposition. That is, yeah, that's, that's definitely it's an inconvenience. Yeah. yeah. So I was working full time at SSV, so we couldn't really, uh, you know, do that full time. Uh, no. So we did we did another one with Three Flow with uh, Amity as well. Right. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Amity and Vocation. That was an ESB. Okay. Uh, where, where, I don't remember seeing that. Where did that? What was the the oh, that, was just, that was in vocation bars and in off licenses. Okay, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. that was good fun to put together. Nice. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. So that was that really. Fifteen mile round trip stage for about a year in Tesco. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, several so- se- several rebrews, presumably. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and uh, you know, vocation did a really good job of it. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's really good beer. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I just just looked back on my tasting notes um, this afternoon and untapped, and I, you know, I can remember saying, "This is great." James is back, you know. We, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then you, you weren't back, or at least you you were back, but then you went away again. But <laughs> I never really, I never really went away. <laughs> went quite and then as time went on, 
we looked at various plans of how to open. Uh, now, the uh, pandemic, Brexit, and other events yep. have uh, knocked a lot of confidence in investment. It's oh, quite, sure. So we thought maybe a small... We were originally planning quite a sizable startup. Right. Uh, but the opportunity came up to buy Trax plants. Nice. Uh, and buy it in situ as well. Great. Which, uh, in theory, saves, uh, saves an awful lot of bother yes. uh, of installing all the rest of it. Uh, so we... Turns out there was an awful lot of wrangling to do over uh, the, the contract with the landlords and all the rest of it. So that, that took a lot longer than we'd hoped it would. But six months later, we're in the unit. Uh, yep. Got Track's old plant, which, you know, has, you, you'll know Track beers. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's uh, got great, great, it's uh, great heritage. Plant. Yeah. There's been some fantastic beers come off of that plant over the last five years or so. Well, Absolutely. I mean, they've they've sold it to get something bigger and better, but uh, it can make it can make words. Yes. So, so we took that, which is a thirteen hectolitre plant. Uh, we've got thirty hectolitre ferment, four thirty hectolitre fermenters from SSV. Nice. I hope they did you a decent price on those as well. <laughs> I, I did okay. <laughs> no, I think that was um, we got a uh, brand spanking new micro can five heads. Oh, cool. Yep. We've run it. We now run it five times. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. and it's been absolutely great. Brilliant. So it's a nice, simple bit of. I mean, it's effectively quite a simple bit of plant. Right. Uh, there's less to go wrong with it. Sure. So, uh, I mean, you could you could argue we haven't had a chance to bugger it up yet. No. <laughs> so, uh, well, anything that could and can go wrong with a canning line generally does eventually, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's generally, but yeah. if you keep it clean, and maintain it well, and I think the main thing is you uh, put the if you put the right liquid in, uh, you'll end up with a decent uh, packaging run. Yeah, let's talk about this first beer, James. Before we uh, get into, I've got a few more questions digging into to what you sold me already. But I'm drinking. How much does water weigh? Four point two percent American Pale. Brief tasting notes I've got say, pale ale hopped with Centennial, Galaxy, and Citra. Great hop combination, by the way. I mean, can't go wrong with those. It says, crisp sipping with a dry finish and fruit throughout, built on an extra pale malt base. And then it rather curiously then says, splosh, blub, blub, blub. And so I'm not quite sure how that made its way to the tasting notes in the end. But, I think it's from the marketing department. <laughs> which I have to say, appealed to me. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nobody said no, take that off. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's a bit of fun. I don't mind a bit of fun. Um, I think this is really, really nice. Uh, nice, sessionable pale. Lovely first beer of the day. Really nice tropical nose to it. Um, but the flavours are mainly citrusy, I think, for me. Um, nice, bitter finish, which brings you back for the next mouthful, doesn't it? You know, nothing like a nice sort of bitter aftertaste. I think, oh, hang on a second. I need another drink. I need another drink. You know, that's <laughs> surely, you know, every, every beer has has that sort of end result in mind doesn't always accomplish it in the same way but you know you want people craving the next mouthful don't you and so i think you've done that with this um yeah exactly what i'm looking for in a in a session pale so nice beer yeah well thank you so uh what's behind that i think it's what everybody does on the first beer on a plant is you make something you think you can afford to throw away yeah actually that's an interesting point yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what I've always done on a new plant is a low strength pale ale. Yep. So uh one it's as simple as brewing can be. Right. Really. Most UK plants are designed to make beer around that strength anyway. Yep. So it's as simple as it can be. Simple grist. Mm. Uh and just see if you can make the plant work. If yep. you can make the plant work. You pitch yeast in it. Now we pitched USO five in it, uh, right. which you know reliable and competitively priced. Right, uh, produces decent results. Mm-hmm. Thousands of people have used it and made great beers with it. Yeah. So, uh, so we did that. Tasted it. Uh, checked the strength of it. Uh, fermentability. Happy oh. with it. Happy with the wort. Uh, and that's where the expense comes in, which is the dry hopping. Right. Which, yeah is where the Citra and the Galaxy went in it. And that stayed in tank for about three weeks. Once we brewed that, we brewed our second beer hot on the tail of that. Right. So uh, we were confident we could make the plant work. 
So uh, we did our first brew was two brew days. Our second brew was a double brew day. Right. So uh, as I think I mentioned, it's uh, 30 hectoliter. Yep. Uh, fermenter, 13 hectoliter brew house. So really, to make sense of it, you need to double brew. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be a, a core beer, James? Or, you know, it's... I'm saying. I'm yep. saying. I yep. mean, what we're, we're doing initially is we're casting the net fairly wide. Right. And see what takes. I think there's a lot of mileage in a beer like that. It's yep. uh, nice and dry. Uh, it's a bit crisper than a lot of the sort of juicy offerings. Yeah. Uh, nice yeah I, th- I think it's got a broader, you know, a broader customer base potentially, doesn't it? Which is obviously important. This could be your gateway beer, isn't it? To hopefully to bring people into into saying, right, that I like that. What's next from Sure Shot? You know, and then you can start yeah. to get a bit more for experimental, can't you? And, and you know, bring them into higher up the ABV ladder. Um, Absolutely, but you know, it's a it's a nice, sensible drinking strength, good yeah. pub, and you know, it works equally well in a can. So. Yes. So we're really happy with the way that turned out. It was also the first beer we canned as well. Okay. So mm-hmm. naturally, your first canning run, you've got uh, Warren from Mark Buchan does the canning run with you to handhold oh, okay. you, nice. train you, yeah. uh, and all the rest. And it went so smoothly. It was it was great. We were over the moon with it, the canning run. Uh, and we right. were expecting the next canning run the next day to be, yeah, right, Warren's gone away. Everything's going to fall apart, but it didn't. Okay. <laughs> you know? and I said, yeah. that really smoothly so uh, uh, we're we were happy about that uh, made sure from the start we're checking for dissolved oxygen making sure right. that tanks are correctly pressurised post fermentation mm-hmm. uh, and that the yeast is you know looked after properly dumped when it's supposed to be yeah uh, and not not dying in your beer and no. uh, killing your head retention and giving you <laughs> of weird off flavours no I think, I think this has turned out really well um, so it's Basically, the idea of that is just a good drinking beer and yep. uh, happy enough. So the next beers after that, I mean, that the yeast from that went down the drain. Uh, right. Dumped. So for, for our next beers, we uh, use the uh, Lalaman Verdant strain, right. which yep. is mm-hmm. uh, juice, as people call it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we cropped and repitched that a couple of times. Okay. So that went through the... Uh, the cycle of the next three brews as a repitch, so it was uh, brewing with wet yeast, which by rights you should get better results if you brew with wet yeast, right? And well, you should do if you were uh, if you do it right, you know. If, however, you were uh, pick up any passengers along the way, yes, badly, uh, you get much worse results, yes, there's plenty can still go wrong, but uh... <laughs> well, you can make it go wrong quite easily, yeah. <laughs> the trick is, the trick is not to. You know. <laughs> So back to the uh, the arch then. So you're in you're you're in the what's colloquially known as the beer muda triangle. I saw it referred to this afternoon, which was a bit, <laughs> yes. a bit of a stretch, but you know, yeah. just um, just southeast of uh, Manchester Piccadilly I've Station. Bit times within that triangle, but <laughs> <laughs> great location. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, you knew what you're getting into there. We, you know, you say picking up the, the former track uh, location, brilliant, surrounded by. Lots of craft beer, um, obviously lots yeah. of friends in the industry, I'm sure, of yours. Clearly, it's got to be a tap room sooner rather than later, uh, James. Yeah. How, how big is your arch? How much space have you got to spare? I, I've, not, um, I've not been to that location. We've got nothing in that arch that uh, we could spare. We haven't got any room in it at all. Uh, it's full of fermenters and cans and malts and uh, people. Right. Uh, no room for a tap room in that. However, in the one next door, there uh, is room for a tap room. Nice. So we're hoping to have something in the middle of this year. Oh, brilliant. Have you, have you, you're negotiating to secure it, are you, or you have secured it? I've got the keys today. Oh, brilliant. Congratulations. Great. That's a nice, uh, nice exclusive for the podcast. Perfect. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it's an exclusive for me. Good for you. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. Well done. So, so how, yeah. how big how big's that? I mean, because like, of course these arches vary tremendously in size, don't they? Just based on whether it's, whether you're on the bend or how high the viaduct is or whatever. So it's uh, how, how big of how big of an arch have you got? Uh, to a tap room? So again, two and a half thousand square. Oh, feet. nice, good space. Yeah. Well, we because we've got uh, you know the brewery will expand. Yep. We just need storage, so the plan is storage at the back, tap room at the front. But that's exciting. So you've now got to do a bit of a refit and figure out, you know, how you're going to lay it out. And uh, amazing. You've yeah, I mean, there's an awful lot to do to mm. make that possible, uh, workable. 
and to make a railway arch comfortable for people. Yeah, I, I guess the beauty is that people are extremely tolerant of, uh, let's call it rustic kind of taproom yeah. sort of out, uh, fitting out to start with. So, you know, you, you can get, get started with, with some, you know, sort of crates and pallets to sit on or whatever. And then, you know, you can just, you can sort of beautify it and luxurify it, you know, as, as time goes on, yeah. maybe, can you? Yeah. Well, we'll see, you know, it's all, all to plan for. I mean, when Cloudwater first did unit 13 on that yep. same strip, the, the barrel store, I mean, there was, oh, Bin were already up and running in that yeah. area. But, uh, mm-hmm. In that immediate area, that was the first one of its kind, really. Yeah, definitely. I think we're probably more forgiving then than they would be now when they can go and sit in track or cloud water yeah. uh, and go, oh, this is comfortable. You know, so... Uh, Except that people want, you know, and being in that area you're probably not expecting people to come and spend their entire day with you. But, you know, the beauty of it is people know who you are and, you know, will be aware of your heritage. And so, you know, literally, if you're open there with some plastic, you know, B&Q garden chairs and tables, they're still going to come in for an hour and see what beers you pour in, you know, and and then they're going to bounce onto unit nine and, you know, and bounce around the corner to drag and so forth, aren't they? So it's... Hopefully it'll make the area more of a circuit. Definitely. I mean, it's already a circuit, I think, and you know, having you there is just going to add further, further yeah. polish to it. So that's great. We're accustomed to the area, as I hope. Yeah. Know. So that's all good. Awesome. Uh, Exciting time. So, how many, how many taps do you think they're putting in? <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. No, no. On a sponsor, it's uh, not really considered it yet. Uh, I don't know if we'd do like a twenty-tap tap room. Hmm. I think we've only got four fermenters. Yeah, well, you don't need to to start with anyway, do you? You know, it's, uh... it's you know, we'll probably do a direct draw from a cold room. Nice. Mm. Uh, I mean, that way, at least all you have to do then is drill another hole in the wall. Yeah. You know, well, it's more complicated than that, but that's, <laughs> uh, you know, you don't have to lay a python or anything like that. No. So, yeah, we, we've got options and it's all to be decided. Yeah. Know. I mean, I... I go to some tap rooms and think, well, you know, there is possibly too much choice. Yeah, well, there definitely is. And, and you know, too much choice in, in a tap room that isn't busy means beer isn't necessarily in its in its best condition, which is not ideal either, is it? So uh, I think I've, I've spoken to several brewers in the past six months who have, have said, yeah, actually, we've, you know, we've taken out a few taps from our tap room to focus on fresher beer. You know, we're really, you know, we're trying to, to make sure that everything that we're pouring in the tap room is super fresh, that, you know, it's not, not hanging around for long. And the way to do that is to have, you know, maybe have 10 or 12 instead of 20 taps, isn't it? But, uh, well, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. Another thing that I've had said to me about tap rooms is the, uh, and bars is the uh, more taps of beer you have on, the more beer you sell. So, you know, there's arguments the other way. Oh, to say, maybe. I guess that there's certainly, you know, some people will be drawn by by the breadth of choice, I suppose. So, so yeah. will, you know, people will have a look and say, well, yeah, they've got 20 taps, so I'm definitely going there because it's going to be something I like. Um, I don't know. I should imagine as we expand our range, we'll probably expand what we do. Yeah. In terms of our retail offering. As it is, we've only, uh, we've sold four beers and one keg of another beer. So, uh, you know, it's early days for us. Indeed it is. But exciting times and great news. You've got the, uh, you got the keys to next door. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. I, I say I got the keys. I had to provide my own padlock. But yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. James, let's take a short break. This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. Them that can deliver the machinery, labour, materials, and most importantly, the expertise to achieve a professionally canned product that keeps their clients happy. For more information about how you can get started with their amazing services, please visit www.themthatcan.com. So I'm back with James from Shoreshot for the second half of the show. James, at this stage of the conversation, I always ask the guests to tell me what makes them different. What is it you're doing or have been doing to stand out in the crowded UK craft beer scene? Well, um, that's quite a hard question to answer, <laughs> to be quite honest. And I think, as we discussed previously, what I've always focused on is quality. Right. Uh, producing great beer. Yep. Uh, I think if you 
don't stand on that as a brewer, small brewer. You haven't really got anything else. You don't have access to the huge channels of distribution that larger brewers have. No, there's no economy of scale that you can lean on. No, it's it's all it's got to be about the product really differentiating itself, isn't it? Uh, So uh, that's our main and pretty much our only focus. Uh, We aim to be egalitarian, as in we don't dismiss anybody, you know. Mm -hmm. We see uh, the population at large as our potential customer base. Yep. Uh, and that's that's great. Uh, we're not necessarily catering to any one particular niche. We intend to embrace all, as it were. Uh, but really, outside of uh, making great beer, it's window dressing, really. Right. I'm curious to dig into that a bit and say, when you were at Cloudwater, to start with, what drove the beer style choices that you were brewing in those days so that you know obviously was was quite significantly american-led at a time when there weren't many if any other brewers that were brewing you know the quality of of american style beers let's call it for one of a better turn of phrase how did you reach that decision and and how is that influencing what you're doing today at sure shop and that was quite organic we did i mean one of our our first double brew was a uh, a british lager all the ingredients were uh, British supplies. Oh. Double brew day. And one of the best beers we did at Cloudwater, in my judgment, was the, uh, we did a beer de garde with, with Burning Sky. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which was, which was great. Uh, right. I really, that was our first barrel-aged beer as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the barrel-aged, uh, I, I still look back at that as probably the best beer we made there. Nice. Yeah. But that was so very different. And we didn't actually make that. The barrel made that. <laughs> You know, it's <laughs> you gave it the chance to make it for you, or, or to yeah. contribute to it. Let's put it that way. But you did the base beer, and yeah. the bugs did the rest. Hmm. You know? uh, so uh, and that was quite an organic process. And what we're doing at Sure Shot is we're focusing on what we know we can do well. Right. It's to me, it's very important that we we never disappoint. Sure. Uh, yep. And uh, prioritize uh, quality over variety or experimentation sure and uh you know hone things give ourselves the opportunity to hone things a bit yep so what we're going through at the minute is we're casting the net fairly wide and there will be styles that aren't necessarily ipas right uh, and you know as pale ales double ipas they will come up but we're, we're going to concentrate in the very short term on uh, getting those styles absolutely right and finding a fit with them right and house rules for them you know, we've got uh, more tanks coming in nice. a few months' time, mm-hmm. uh, and then probably expand into lagers, right? Mm-hmm. Amongst other things, but we need to, you know, to make a, a sensible business of it. We need more production capacity than we have currently. Yes, no, understood. But it's you know, it's got to be financed by with beer sales, obviously. I guess, or well, at least to some extent, hasn't it? So, so you need to go get some product out there and have it hopefully being yeah. well received. Yeah, absolutely. So, what makes us different? Apart from uh, that, I'm working there. Yeah. Well, look, that's a good. That I think is an important part of the answer uh, yeah. because nobody's going to question your your beer, you know your brewing skills and contribution you've made to UK craft beer over the last decade or more than that, fifteen years. But um, you know, certainly, well, twenty years actually. If we're going to go go back to the to the original days, but but in particular, um, I guess most people listening to this are more familiar with your body of work at Cloudwater than at Marble. So. Uh, that carries a lot of, of credibility, I think, to, to the audience of this conversation. And so, yeah, I think people, you know, are going to come into your new business with a really positive expectation. And, you know, hopefully um, yeah. you can you can satisfy that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, really focus on quality. Mm-hmm. And that's it, really. What we actually find ourselves producing will be led by what we find we can sell. Right. You know, uh, I find it much easier to give people what they want than tell them what they want. And that's an interesting, an interesting perspective actually, because the market has probably moved quite significantly in the almost four years since you left Cloudwater in terms of you know what what people are expecting. I guess there wasn't much of a market for sours in the UK four years ago. Um, there wasn't much of a market for triple IPA certainly. So so the, the ABV sort of arms race is exploding a bit. Triple IPAs are a funny one. Really, uh, we talk about sours and triple IPAs. That makes me hark back to the early days of Magic Rock. 
really, who were, you know, Unhuman Cannonball, Human Cannonball. Yeah. Uh, they, they were the big drinks of the time. They were, absolutely. Yeah, 20, 2017, 2018, yeah. yeah. You know, that was... And they were great. In the, yeah. You know, and also, what was that? Goes uh, Salty Kiss, that was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's all really well. Yeah. I think sour beers I'm uh, reticent about. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's so easy when you're a small operation, a small team, to do playtime with beers like that mm. and then bugger up your main production. Yes. It's interesting. It's fun. But things that make beer sour aren't welcome in other beers. No, they aren't. No, not in a, not in a little archway, that's for <laughs> sure. So, no, I totally get that. And I think, by the way, that there's some fantastic specialist brewers really focusing in yeah. on on sours in the UK now. And, you know, I, I totally get that. You know, <laughs> You'd, I would leave that to the experts for a while, and uh, you know, yeah. and, and, and focus in on what you're undoubtedly expert in, which is beers like the one I'm drinking here right now, which is uh, well, absolute, absolutely super side project to put ten years on me. <laughs> 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 Not yet, anyway. You know? No, no. But let's talk about this second beer because this is superb, James. This is Bring Me the Head of John the Accountant, which is a great name in itself. I like that a lot. <laughs> it's an eight percent dipper, my style of beer. Um, as people will be bored of hearing me say, but this is this is about as good of a beer as you could possibly have me drink on the podcast. Absolutely superb. Um, double IPA, hopped with strata mosaic, citra and centennial. Great combination of hops. And the tasting notes say a chunky tropical fruit salad mashing melon and passion fruit. Delightful. Just don't do the sums, which is good tasting notes again. Um, this is really brilliant. Um, super soft mouthfeel, lovely dank aroma. Um, gorgeous tropical fruit flavours, just a nice hint of bitterness, um, coming back to what we were saying earlier on about sort of bringing you back for the next mouthful, just ridiculously drinkable, 8%, just a fabulous beer. I I think this is is as nice of a dipper as I've had in in many months. So, yeah, really great beer. This is what I would expect James Campbell to to be smashing. And so, yeah, it's uh, everything I I would hope that you you will be, uh, you'll be putting into a dipper. That's what my wife expects me to make. <laughs> and if this isn't selling as fast, you know, fast as you can make it, I'm very disappointed. It really should be. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy with it. Uh, mm. For a first double IPA, it's a, it's a good one. Yeah, you know, and just coming to terms with the kit, obviously, you know, it's only, it can only get better. And not that I think you've got much room to improve with this. This is really, yeah. really good. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah, so, so more like this, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, we'll bring a double IPA tomorrow. Excellent. So uh, more of that. Nice, yeah. No, this this, this is this has turned out really well. Uh, so your first four beers, that was a pale, this one. Um, what are the other two? There was, uh, I left my bag in Newport, I lost my bag in Newport, Pagnon, right, yeah. <laughs> which is a Smith's Lyric, and that was our, uh, that was our IPA. Right. IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other one was uh, I've had my fun and that's all that matters. Yeah, that's another good beer though, actually. <laughs> 5.6% pale ale. Okay. Uh, something a bit heftier as a pale. Yeah. It's it's a different drink from uh, 4.2%. Yeah, it is. That's, yeah, yeah. With that yeast that's uh, very uh, mouth coating. And that extra 1.5 points of, of ABV gives you a bit more yeah, sort of scope to, to play with flavour yeah, I guess it was well, flavour essentially hmm. and so would you be what would be sort of the cadence you'd expect of dippers IPAs to pails moving forward I mean you're going to be, be brewing more IPAs and pails and dippers or what's the well, what you're thinking at the moment I mean my philosophy really around brewing and how practically to do it is you've got to work with your yeast right so you need something low strength in fairly constant production uh, you need to establish a really solid trade in in a low strength mm-hmm. product, so that you've got something that will generate that yeast. So, how much are you are you figuring to put a fair bit of that pale production into keg to, for for the pub trade, or is it most is it mostly yeah. in the can? Yeah. Yeah. So that well, it all depends on what sells. Yeah. But it just falls naturally that the lower strength beers tend to be uh, pub drinking. Sure. Yeah, you know, they're good beers for socialising. Absolutely, yeah. You know, you can you can sit and drink a few pints with your mates yeah. and not not fall over when you get up to go to have a pee, which is a yeah. And if you, if if you catch drinking and uh, you've only got to get up the stairs to bed, it's uh, you know, and you can 
sit and share. You can do that on your hands and knees, go up the stairs, kind of. So it's not, not so much a problem. Well, you can, it's not advised. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't make it all the way to the bridge, you can sleep on the landing. So, that, you know, so. <laughs> I shouldn't be saying things like this. Portman Group, love you. So they haven't done so far. And I, I, I often make digs at the Portman Group actually in the conversation, just trying to provoke them into into reaching out because I quite like to have an exchange with them, to be honest with you. But uh, well, but you haven't got a product that they can ban. No, I know I haven't. I list it as I list it as explicit every week, so you know I, I could I say much yeah. could say much worse things than I actually do and still get away with it. What I tend to drink is pales IPAs and double IPAs. Right, those are the easiest things for me to as points of reference uh, to work as a brewer with. A set of beers, you're better off sticking with one or two yeasts. Right. It falls naturally into that cycle. Mm-hmm. If you've only got a handful of fermenters and you can only brew a couple of times a week, you need that yeast to generate weekly. Yeah. So uh, most of our production in the first instance will be a series running off one yeast. So right. a pale mm-hmm. and probably a couple of stronger ones and finish on a dipper. Yeah. See, well, I mean, I was going to say you can't crop from a dipper. You can crop from a dipper, but it's a very, very bad idea. Right. If you take the yeast off something that's been in 8% beer, it's it's had enough. Yeah, it's, it's had a hard life. It deserves, yeah. a, deserves a happy retirement after that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or be poured it, down the drain. I don't know if that's a happy retirement, but perhaps it is if you're a yeaster. So uh, that yeast can't be reused. Uh, no. At the end of the day, good beer tastes of happy yeast. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and so is this. This dipper is is based on the Alamein, the, the burnt yeast, or yeah, yeah. And so that would be would so you'd be cycling between the O five and and the burnt, or the O five is more of an occasional. Okay, so we'd do one or two generations with that. Okay, mm-hmm. with the verdant yeast, we think we can take it to four generations. Nice, yeah. Ideally, well, whatever yeast is in this and whatever else is in this, it's a beautiful dipper. So, and no, I really appreciate this, James. Thank you very so, much. Anybody that hasn't had a chance to taste this yet needs to needs to seek out a can of it while it's still about because this is this is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, let's get on to talk about what's coming up next for you guys. What have you got in tank that uh, we can look forward to in the coming weeks? We have another four beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one of the three beers in tank. Uh, okay. We've. Uh, Emptied one, just emptied one today, and we're filling it again tomorrow. Nice. Uh, so we've got a three point nine percent, which premiered at uh, Assembly Rooms in Manchester. Okay, nice, yeah. And that's going on sale next week, which is a three point nine percent pale and hoppy. Okay, brilliant. You know, which is great. We've got a six and a half percent IPA with verdant yeast, and yep. we've got got a West Coast, which is six point seven. Okay, that's. Uh, Looking forward to that. It's called uh, Name a Yellow Fruit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Melon. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right. Nice. Okay. We've got Excellent. They sound good. Yep. And uh, we've got a 5% pale as well. Okay. Uh, which is just dry hop today, which is Nelson Sovan and Centennial. Okay. And that's got okay. a bit more of a bitter edge to it. Nice. Uh, you know, again, more of a pub beer. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I'm thoroughly looking forward to. It's Nelson Sauvin is one of my... Yeah, it's great. Great hop, yeah. I think there's, uh, there's been some really good Nelson beers the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, I, I would... This year in particular, yeah. The first brewer in the UK to buy it. Oh, were you? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't the first to use it. That was Colin Strong, who was uh, running the brew house. At the, well, he was brewing that day, the day we used it. Huh? Marble. So, uh, you know, but that's a long-term favourite of mine. Uh, yeah. So. So there's that, and tomorrow we brew another dipper. Okay, excellent. What hops are you going to put in the in the next dipper? Oh, uh, Idaho Seven. Oh, I love Idaho Seven. Yeah, quite abundance, a bit of Simcoe. Yeah, uh, and a good dollop of Citra. Lovely. Oh, that, that sounds, sounds brilliant, brilliant already. Sounds brilliant already. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so thoroughly looking forward to that, and. Not looking at the uh, R5 in the morning start as it happens. But oh, is that right? Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> double, double brew day. If you're using that yeast, it's much better to get all the wort in tank within 24 hours. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know. So what time's that going to be a late finish as well, is it? Or Not for me. Okay. <laughs> 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 it's a team sport. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Sean's got the other end of it. Oh, well, that's not so bad, then. Yeah. yeah. If it, if it goes wrong at the end, it's his fault as well. 
<laughs> well, not I could spend it like that, but not that I'm expecting it to, of course. No. Um, what about festivals or events? You got it's a bit early in your journey for that, but have you signed up for some things this summer? We're just looking at that at the minute. There's definite ones that I'd uh, love to be at. Mm. Uh, I think really we we announce them as we find out. Uh, so yeah. We've got one confirmed so far, but I don't think the company that's doing it has uh, said anything about it yet. Oh, okay, fair enough. But you're looking, you're looking out for looking for invitations. Can we put it that way? So, uh, if people yeah. want to re- people want to reach out, um, you'd, yeah, you'd be open absolutely. to suggestions. Nice. So, uh, but I mean, it's the you know the, the way a lot of uh, breweries cut their teeth and get themselves out there, and uh, people get to try that way is at, is at festivals. So, uh, oh, definitely. Obviously, yeah. we like to we like to be at a few. No, so I think it's, it's it's a great way to announce yourselves, isn't it? And where's the best place for people to get their hands on some short, short beers then in the next few yeah. weeks, James? Easiest yeah. way is the web shop. Okay. We don't have our own retail premises yet. We will do. Uh, what, what is the uh, what's the website? Is it shoreshopbrewing.com? Shoreshopbrew.com, that's it. Yeah, perfect. All right. So um, that'd be good. And you're starting to get out into the into the bottle shops and the like, are you? What's the, you know, yeah, it, we've had a really good response from the bottle shops. Uh, <laughs> I say the bottle shops as if they're an amorphous block. They're not a coal. <laughs> so uh, we've uh, hot burns and black. Uh, nice. I've taken some. Uh, taken a good dollop, actually. Uh, yeah. Had a lot of repeat orders. Okay, uh, nice. Yeah. Manchester and the area. Yeah. Went into a couple of the bottle shops that were sold out in a you know a day. Oh great! Yeah, so, uh, so that's good. You know. Doesn't surprise me, by the way. I mean, especially especially in the in the northwest where people people know the name and you know, know what to expect. Yeah, the independent bottle shops in Manchester they all seem to have uh, taken us up with a bit of relish. Yeah, no, I would uh, hope they would. I did not not surprised at all. And that's good. I say in Manchester, in Leeds, and you know yep. all the, the craft beer strongholds. Yeah. Yeah, so we're we're pretty happy about that. I think they say available in all good bottle shops. And if a good bottle shop hasn't managed to get their hands on some of your stock yet, you know, should they come to you direct or is it through distribution? Come to us direct. Nice. Yeah. Right. It depends on where they are, what we can do, uh, yeah. who we're partnering with. It okay. depends on where they are and what they want. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a uh, trade sign up on the uh, on the web shop. That's right. Actually, I saw there's a trade tab isn't there, on the top of the uh, so you can page. Sign up for a trade account, and we can work it out from there. Uh, Brilliant. Obviously, if people want beer, we want to get it to them. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Weird to do business, after all. Nice. Let's get into the home straight. And here, um, I start out by asking you to give a what I call a shout-out to the little guy. And here, I'm looking for you to mention one or more local to you beer businesses that you think are doing a great job promoting independent craft beer. And that can be another brewery, a tap room, a bottle shop, a pub, cafe, a restaurant. But, you know, a business that's not just promoting pure shop, but generally doing a great job promoting independent craft beer. Hey, well, there's quite a few to mention, really. I mean, I drink in track. That's where I drink. Okay, nice. <laughs> in the brand, the shiny new uh, yeah, shiny new facility. It's like, it's a bit Jim Bowen. It's like, here's what you could have won when you mm-hmm. I can look at the tracks equipment instead. Of new stuff. This time next year, it's aspirational stuff, you know. Yeah, so, no. But uh, really, the people I feel I ought to give a shout out to are Runaway. And, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Smith. Uh, Sorry, what's that second one, there, James? Bruce Smith. All right, yeah, Bruce Smith. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have a uh, tap room in uh, in Berry Broad Broad Street okay. Social, uh, mm-hmm. which is a lovely little bar. Okay. And it's just just a really nice bar selling really good beer. Nice, uh, yeah. Very unpretentious, just good quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Runaway, similarly, doing a great job of what they do. They're uh, not really doing the uh, American juice thing. No. A little bit different. They're plowing their own furrow. Which is good, really. I mean, you know. Well, their own uh, people. Uh, it's yeah. a mistake for every, you know, if everybody's making the same beer, you know, then it's a, it's a it's boring cool. world, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, so I mean, they do really well with saisons and uh, okay. mm-hmm. that kind of thing. They do really well uh, nice. and uh, playing a different furrow from others. But uh, I really enjoy. Uh, I mean, I've been involved in both those businesses in the past, and uh, right, you know, they're friends of mine. I enjoy drinking in their premises. Nice, yeah, <laughs> so. good. All right, well, thanks for that. I will dig out. Uh, I'll put a put a note in the show notes to the podcast to both those businesses, so people can click yeah. through and uh, hopefully give them some business next time they're up your way. Nice one. Excellent. Then we are at the wrap-up question, James. And this is, what would be your ultimate happy hour? 
where would you be? Who would you be with? And what specific beer would you be drinking? And the beer doesn't necessarily need to match the venue. So in this in this fantasy world, you could bring whatever you know. You could bring your own dipper if you like to uh, to to somewhere that wouldn't naturally be pouring that beer. It's a, it's a, a bit of a difficult one because there are so many great bars, mm. and the UK actually does really well at this. But uh, if we're going to do ultimate anything, uh, you have to have the uh, opulent fantasy of being abroad. You do, I think, especially after the last couple of years of, of no travel. So yeah. I, I totally get that. Yeah. So. Uh, Either in in De Wilderman, mm. okay, Amsterdam, yep, or beer cab in Barcelona. All ah, right, yeah. Now I have drunk my own beer in both of those bars, so that was <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty good. Nice, uh, but uh, two good choices. So who would you be with? Uh, my wife and yep. old friends. Okay, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I would annoy them all by uh, drinking Girardin Black Label and making okay. them drink it as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is your fantasy, so it's all yeah. right. Whatever, whatever yeah. beer would please you in those circumstances, that's that's yeah. the beer it will be. Nice. But yeah. I mean, really, the Desert Island beers is a bit of an odd one. It's whatever takes you. Of course it is, and it's circumstance dependent, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And usually, if I've got a nice beer in front of me, it's that one there. Yep. You know, so uh, sure. that's it. And if you've got north of 2,000 breweries in the UK uh, and a lot of them are making a business of it, yeah, a lot of them are doing something, right? Uh, Definitely. So, you know, I'd like to try a few. I'm very excited with the, you know, the, the, the where we are with the UK craft beer scene and the quality of beer being produced in the UK. Um, it's great to have you back, James, um, producing, you know, because it's, you know, You've been missed, definitely, which is not to say that we've not had a lot of great beer to drink, but you know the, the quality of beer that you were producing up to 2018 was a big part of my craft beer journey. And so, you know, I was gutted when you left. Um, you know, and I was that that sort of came on the heels of Beaver Town selling and shortly before Magic Rock selling, and I felt like the whole thing was unwinding a bit. You know, as it turned out, those fears were unproven, and you know, and it actually been really good. But great to yeah. have you back. You know, I'm massively excited to see what you do at Shaw Shop. You know, I think there's a lot of people out there with a great deal of fondness, you know, fond memories of, of what you did before. And, you know, we'll be really excited to you know see what where you take this um, new business. And, yeah, you can certainly rely on my support. And I'm sure a lot of people's support. So uh, it's going to be fun. At the, at the end of the day, I'm a tradesman practicing his trade in the town where he lives. Yeah. yeah. But I really appreciate your time this evening. Thank you so much for, for taking time to chat with me. Thank you, Rob. Cheers.